0: Welcome to the EFC webinar on how to have a great food ministry. I am so excited about this topic and I think we're gonna have a great 45 minutes together. Uh, We're joined today by Amy McLaughlin, Jennifer Arnold and Christine O'Brien. And if those names seem familiar to you, then you have probably read the latest issue of Faith Today with our cover story, The Healing Plate, why food is central in scripture, community and restoration. In that article our writer amy mclaughlin who's one of our guests today speaks to jen and christine about their experience with food ministry so as we begin i'd like to have our guests introduce themselves and share with us a tiny bit of their experience with food ministry or food as ministry so amy why don't we start with you
1: yeah i'm uh, a journalist uh, by trade and i worked for um, a magazine called the presbyterian record for 13 years which was kind of the denominational publication for the Presbyterian Church in Canada. That ended in uh, 2016 and I've been doing freelancing since then and that kind of led me to doing this story. And when I started volunteering at 541 last spring, I guess it was, that really just kind of brought some ideas that I've been thinking about for a long time, just really kind of Mm -hmm. brought them to a more sort of kind of concrete idea that I really knew I wanted to something to paper and then that's when i got in touch with you karen about it and i've just been i mean it's just through volunteering through 541 and then different things at church with food ministry and just places that i've and people that i've spoken to over the years when i was at the presbyterian record that you know i always kind of seem to gravitate towards stories of community and hospitality and that kind of thing so it's just i feel like this story is really kind of just all of that stuff in the last several years just really kind of coming together
0: Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. Now Jen, how about you? Mm. Tell us what you're how you're involved.
2: Uh, yeah, I uh, I guess my interest in food started in Redeemer actually Gideon Strauss who's quoted quite a bit in the article. He, he taught a course in aesthetic philosophy. So we studied food, gardens, clothing, these aesthetic components of creation and studied what it meant to see all of creation redeemed and that's when i really started getting interested in food in where food comes from in how it's prepared in how it brings people together and ultimately jesus has us remember him by sharing a meal together and so in that course that i i really started to realize the significance in food, not just as a means of survival, but of something that really just fosters community. And so now I'm a, a manager at 541 Eatery and Exchange, and love that I get to be a part of something where not only do we really strive to have good food and strive to, to have it be healthy and homemade, but also have tables where people from different worlds can come and be in community together over that food.
0: So Jen, just in, in case someone is listening who hasn't read the article, although I hope everyone has read the article, um, explain explain to us, please, what five hundred and forty-one Eatery and Exchange in Hamilton actually is.
2: Sure. So five hundred and forty-one Eatery and Exchange is uh, we're a nonprofit restaurant, so. Basically what that means is we're a restaurant, but we're also a social enterprise. And um, so 541 exists in a part of Hamilton where it's not a super walking distance to get to grocery stores. And there aren't many restaurants around us. So one thing that we want is that the eatery side of things is to have a place where people can come in our neighborhood and get food at an affordable price. So the way that we do that, and um, Amy is a part of this, but we keep our prices low because most of our employees are actually volunteers who just really believe in the vision of 541 and get on board and help out, whether it's in the kitchen or in the front or doing dishes. But then the exchange side of things is maybe just as, if not more important than the eatery part of it, which... And the exchange part kind of stands for a couple things that go on here. So if you were to come into 541 and order your food, uh, you might notice that your bill is quite a bit less than it would be at a normal restaurant. So we do have a pay it forward system and there are little buttons like shirt buttons, tokens that would be in one jar on one side of the counter. And you have the option of donating forward dollars. For every dollar that you donate forward, you can move one button from one jar into the other jar. And then anyone who comes in who needs a little bit of extra help paying uh, can use up to five buttons a day. And so there's kind of that uh, give and take, that exchange component of it. But then also most of our seating is communal seating, larger tables. And so we also hope that people from different walks of life, whether you're coming in and you're a foodie who really enjoys the unique dishes that we have, or you're someone who comes in because maybe ends aren't meeting right now or whatever the case is, you can eat around the same table and be delivered the food Mm -hmm. with beautiful plating and yeah, and hopefully there's an exchange of conversation, exchange of ideas that happen between worlds that are usually kept quite separate.
0: Very cool. Now, mm-hmm. Christine, everyone who has read the article knows that you're a fabulous pie baker. <laughs> um, but I know you do much, much more than that with uh, food ministry and in your, your vocation. So if you could tell us a bit about yourself and your work. Sure, I've
3: been a pastor for almost 21 years, and. And I think any congregational pastor has food around all the time, church dinners <laughs> being what they are. Um, but we began to be involved much more seriously about seven years ago. We were approached by a community chaplain and he was working on a pilot project and we agreed to help the, the model that he is continuing to use now in other places. Um, our congregation shows up in a low income neighborhood. So a government subsidized housing neighborhood that's just a few blocks from the church. We show up on Wednesday nights and we bring a couple of barbecues. We bring some hamburgers, cut of a watermelon or two, sometimes just homemade cookies. And, and that's it. So we bring, we kind of bring the party and then we ask people to come. And it's right in a central area of, of all these units. It's in their neighborhood. And we started to do that. And we were a little reluctant. It was a little bit scary because we didn't know any of the people that we were going to be eating with. But it was fantastic. That was the beginning. That's years ago. And that's expanded now. Uh, We also are part of a food distribution with a bunch of other local churches and uh, Halton Food for Life, which redistributes fresh food. So we do that in the winter on Wednesdays. And and that's expanded. We now have a, a little community garden on the front lawn of the church, too. That was sort of the beginning of our congregation having a really serious involvement in connecting with our neighbors through food.
0: Wow. And what I'm hearing, I think, from each of you is that it's it's good food. It sounds like food that, um, you know, we would all pay money for at a restaurant. So that feels like something new to me in terms of food outreach. It's fresh. It's natural. I don't know. Maybe it's organic. Is that is that the case, Jen, for you guys?
2: Yeah. So our food, definitely fresh. Definitely everything is homemade that's here right from scratch and it was important to us that it not just be there's nothing wrong with soup kitchens but there are a lot I mean if it's just about meeting the basic needs of survival there are a lot of places actually in Hamilton that do a great job at that that have out of the cold programs and things like that that are so necessary Um, but what we saw as lacking was a place where people could come and really Hmm. really enjoy what they had and um, that it would be nutritious and I mean we do we do really think about where the food comes from as well it's been a little um, over the years we've had to toy around with how to incorporate farm fresh foods yet at the same time making something yeah for different abilities of volunteers having a consistent thing that they make every week is important so it's great if the farmer brings you something different every week from a normal restaurant standpoint, but kind of meeting somewhere in between with there. We have a great farm that supplies us with amazing organic produce in the summer. It's called a Rasha. Um, But we've had to kind of tweak what we've gotten from them year after year based on what we're, actually practically able to use at the restaurant. But yeah, having a high quality good for people who usually just kind of get the leftovers is super important to us.
0: And that really strikes me as very biblical. And, Mm. um, you know, the article talks a lot about food in the in our faith and in scripture. And you've all hinted at the community that is built around the sharing of food and the even, I imagine, in the preparation of food. Amy, could you expand on that a little bit? What, How community and food fit so well together?
1: Yeah, I was just going to actually point out in the sidebar of the story, I talked to Stevie Cameron a little bit about her Out of the Cold program that she started about 20 years ago at a Presbyterian church in downtown Toronto. And she speaks about when they first started it, that all they had was coffee and cookies they started you know we're gonna have dinner but then people kind of weren't on board and it's like well it's just you know it's just for people on the street who care they'll be happy to just have coffee and cookies right like what's the big deal and they found that people were you know certainly thankful to be able to come out of the cold and have a snack but that we're kind of like well is this you know is this sort of it Mm. and some of the people I remember Stevie saying to me. Some of the people in the congregation were like, "Well, how? You know, they have no right to, to to not be happy, right? To want right. more, to want something better." And um, and she she and the other people who were really kind of responsible for it were kind of mortified that they hadn't lived up to kind of expectations, that they hadn't treated these people as anyone should be treated. That yeah. you know that they want to come here and have something good that we would want to have. Mm-hmm. And so ever since then, they changed it and they have chefs come in and they have, mm-hmm. you know, people giving food that we would all want to enjoy as well. And so I think that's something that maybe, I don't know, that's kind of a perception that is probably pretty common and is kind of yeah. hard to change, I think. And I think, so 41, this the idea that,
0: sorry, the idea that yeah. you, know, you should just be thankful for your <laughs> big salad sandwich, right? As opposed to, the providers, and and maybe we don't even think in those dividing ways, but that we're creating something beautiful and wholesome and healthy and dignified.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and if you think about, you know, maybe a Jesus table or, mm-hmm. a ta- you know, a feast that you would want to welcome your friends and family yeah. to, that you would want to welcome Christ to, that you would want something to be beautiful and, and wonderful and abundant and not just leftovers. And yeah. I think food and community and again thinking about this idea for several years for me and kind of figuring out how it all fit together and then going to 541 and really kind of practically seeing this actually happen this kind of these all these thoughts that were kind of going around in my head and then like seeing this and was like oh this is it this is what it's about and it just seems so natural that you would, you know, when you have friends or family over, I mean, what do you do? You're often gathering around food and around the table. So it just seems to be such a natural extension of that and such a perfect way to really be creating Mm. relationship, which I think is really kind of the key in all of this and in creating community and in affecting change and all these things that we kind of want to do as the church, I think, or or should want to do.
0: Christine, in your role as a pastor in your church, um, did, did you need to do some convincing of your congregation to kind of blur those lines between host and guest, or did that happen pretty naturally?
3: That's, a, that's been tricky work. Uh, that's been a challenge. So one of the things that has been very interesting, for instance, when we started to distribute fresh food on behalf of Food for Life, we set up we we use first we use the local pub now we're uh we're at the legion and so we have big long tables and we bring in whatever's available it's usually beautiful fresh food it's stuff that you don't get at the food bank um you know like bags of brussels sprouts or there's we had roast turkeys one time um so that's really great and we set it out on these big long tables but it was really tempting for the volunteers to stay on one side of the table Mm. while all of the guests came with their bags and they put food in in their shopping bags. And there was this divide uh, in between us and so it's taken us a little while I think to learn. It took me a little while to observe it and then to learn. We needed to get out from behind the table and we also have begun now to have the, the people who come to receive the food also now help. So they, they come early and they help unpack the food. They help We have to have bag it into, into portions. They'll help with that. Um, and we will sit and have a coffee while the food is being distributed or, or we'll stand up and, and talk with somebody or talk to their kids. Or, so, so we've begun to blur those lines, but it wasn't a natural uh, it wasn't a natural thing. I think part of that because in our congregation, we are like most in my denomination. We're a fairly middle class congregation and people on the margins are not necessarily who we usually have in the pews or at a church dinner and so we were with people who were different from us either different in ethnicity or different in terms of their socioeconomic standing and so we had to learn how to be friends with people who were different and and we've we've really really gotten the hang of that uh, other people you know who come have gotten the hang of
0: being friends with us too but it, it didn't come naturally we've we've had to we've had to work at it yeah um In the article, Jen, Amy paints this lovely picture of people, the same theme of people from different walks of life or however we want to say it, literally sitting at the same table and interacting. Mm -hmm. And is it as smooth as that? It sounds wonderful. What have you seen grow (laughs) out of that?
2: Sometimes it is like that. <laughs> I mean, you definitely have the mixing. The smoothness yeah. is the part that maybe I'm laughing about. It totally depends on who is at that table. It depends yeah. on what time of the month it is based and and how much of the rent or the, sorry, the government checks are left over, which obviously affects your stress levels and, and right. how much you're eating at that point or where you're sleeping. And it depends on the perspective of the person who's sitting there. I mean, you may have, you may look out and see a couple businessmen sitting at a table with someone else who's from our neighborhood. That's one of the regulars and those businessmen and the regular could be engaging really well with one another. But I think it takes both parties being willing to do that. And, and often actually it's our, friends and and our regulars who are the welcomers they really and and this is our space it does feel like a family the people who are regularly here the volunteers staff and regular customers from the neighborhood and so they are quite good at welcoming people in regardless of how they look regardless of maybe what their job is or anything like that and i think that's part of the beauty of the gift of who we are as the people of 541 but yeah, there can be issues when people are sitting beside someone else and maybe someone who has a more well-to-do background is frustrated because the person beside them fell asleep at the table or smells different or whatever the case is. But then there's also challenges of drug use in our neighborhood at mm-hmm. times and and so... Yeah, there can be messiness where we do have to step in and it's not super clean. Um, But there are beautiful (laughs) times where people who come in, and then this is one of my favorite interactions that I didn't necessarily anticipate from the beginning, but maybe people who have had a preconceived idea of what people are in this neighborhood, what Barton Street is, it's this sketchy place to go, it's scary, blah, blah, blah. And they come and they sit down and they sit beside someone who maybe they would've put in a certain box in their mind, but now they're face to face and it's harder to have Mm. those categories for people. Um, And so I love when seeing the shift in people's perspectives happening um, around around that. And I really think that that is, that is what is at the heart of the Beatitudes is Mm. these people who you think are at the bottom is actually Jesus is with them. And I am, very privileged to be able to receive Jesus in these other people who oftentimes really get it.
0: Mm. Mm. Th- does that resonate with you, Christine? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
3: I think one of the most beautiful things to me is watching our community ha- having become more, much more diverse. And mm. so those those moments where I look out and I think, oh, this is the kingdom of God. This is just, mm. just for a our- you get a glimpse of, of people who are being generous with one another, people who are so different. They're sharing their whether that's they're laughing together, they're eating, their their kids are are together. That is very beautiful. But it doesn't come without its challenges. Uh, it has changed our congregation significantly in terms of how we do what we do and where and when. And um, but you know, there are these beautiful pieces of intermingling. We have food distribution on Wednesday and there's always bread left over. And so I always make sure I bring a loaf to the congregation because on Wednesday evenings we have communion. And so we get to break bread together um, with that same bread. Um, it's being shared in those two places. And, and so there are things like that that are just incredibly beautiful. And it's, it's, it's worth every bit of chaos uh, and every bit of struggle that we encounter.
0: Wow, that is really wonderful. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's yeah. obviously a deeply theological thing you're doing. It, you're not just meeting a practical need. You're, you're doing theology. Um, a, writer, a reader sent in this question, um, first an observation. Someone might come away from the article or this webinar thinking that the 541 eatery and similar initiatives are just nice, special interest causes, rather than food being a central piece of our Christian call to practice loving justice as followers of Jesus. And Mm -hmm. I think you've all touched on that. So the question is, how can we incorporate these insights into our individual lives and families as Christians? And that's an excellent question. Thank you, Alex. Jen, you wanna tackle that first?
2: Sure. Yeah, so I think there is, especially the Western church, we have this very dualistic mind when it comes to spirituality, we think that there's, there's the spiritual stuff up here. And then there's the like mundane things that we just need to do to get by. And that's when I think we lose, we lose, we lose a lot of the richness of what faith actually looks like lived out in that and we and, and food is a massive part of that. I mean, we're humans, we need to eat three times a day. Furthermore, there are certain foods that we're drawn to or comfort us or have various emotional attachments to them. And so there is this richness in the food experience, whether you're at 541 or you're at your table at home. So I think kind of getting away from this idea that there are these spiritual things And then there's the mundane things of life is is an important realization to have. But we can further cement that into ourselves by partaking in meals with people and really being thoughtful about where that food comes from, how we prepare it, who we're inviting to our tables at home as well, and how we can extend the table in, in ways, how we can invite people not just to our tables, but how we can be the guest in other places as well and how the aesthetic component of that is so important that how you baked that bread or who you got that bread from or where it was grown geographically is all very much part of this and they're intrinsically woven into the food and as you consume it that says a lot about what you believe about you believing that God is in these mundane things and, and is in your place. Um, it locates you, it gives skin to, to faith, and I think it connects us on a human tactile level that makes faith real in those hmm. moments. And one of my favorite times connected to 541, but I, I got to meet a couple people, they're regulars, they come in here every day. They started referring to themselves as my mom and my dad, even though they are not. <laughs> um, but they come in every day and they okay. they sit and they are part of the welcome. I mean, 541, really, they didn't come for a couple of weeks and it really, really changed the atmosphere of the place. Okay. But I realized, oh, they don't have, you know what, there's a lot of big meals that are going on around Easter, but they don't really have a place. With the, where their family is going to gather and so I just kind of off the cuff invited them, them to my family's Easter and it was really special and I realized these meals that we share at home mm-hmm. not that every meal is going to be this but these meals that we share at home we have these very high walls around them mm-hmm. we have we we care oftentimes, and I, I lump myself into this as well. Care a lot more about how it's presented than who's around the table and and how we're crossing boundaries by sharing a meal with people. And wow. um, it was actually it was my, I think my favorite family gathering that we've had to this date. And it was it was messy, and uh, there were no leftovers. And there's always leftovers, and <laughs> you know the. Family conversation was a little bit more colorful than it usually is, but I think we we can connect over food and we can yeah. um, we can engage with difference over food, uh, even in our own homes.
0: yeah, no, I like that idea of talking about our homes for a minute, but Amy, I do find myself feeling panicky as I think about um, the uh, maybe the slowing down that is required to think carefully through these things like choices about um you know where i'm getting the food that i'm serving my family or even um you know opening my doors and like who has time to have dinner parties and so on and so forth even though i will say in our own lives i actually quite like to cook and i like to entertain and i i like to cook well but i'm also okay now as i've gotten a little bit older with like a pot of chili and a loaf of bread and that's it so, if you could speak to that, Amy, about maybe not overcomplicating it, but how to do hospitality in your home and make those connections for us.
1: Gosh, I think it really kind of became real to me um, through my separation last year and realizing what a huge difference it made in my life to be alone. Uh, you know, certain nights that my kids weren't there, that all of a sudden I had no one to share a meal with, mm-hmm. and immediately I didn't. I didn't want to have that meal. I, you know, there was suddenly I was by myself, and the social aspect and the community aspect of eating and of food just disappeared, and my interest in eating kind of disappeared as well. And I, I, so it it, it really solidified that idea of how important community is and sharing food with with other people is and um, and thinking about how many other people there are who are maybe sitting at home by themselves all the time or that that aren't a part of a community and um, and yeah I mean and I can get panicky too thinking like oh I want to have people over but oh the house is a mess and even what am I gonna make and kids are crazy and I don't have time and, and then you just don't often you just don't and those things will stop you. Um, But, you know, I've become a lot more comfortable with just come on over and I'm ordering pizza and we're having ice cream and I don't care. There's not like, there's not even one homemade thing on the table, right? And sometimes that has to just, sometimes that's just good enough. Sometimes it's just Mm -hmm. enough to have people gather. And, And then I think kind of beyond that is just finding ways to get out of your comfort zone and um I mean and Christine mentioned at you know doing the food distribution and I did come and help out one day when I was interviewing her this was quite a while ago now and I remember the same thing I I stood behind the table and handed out the food as people came along and it's hard to make that leap of okay I'm gonna have a cup of coffee a cup of coffee with you too Mm -hmm. and get to know you it's a it's pretty it's a lot safer and a lot neater and tidier to just stay yeah. behind this table and not not make that jump and that connection. But that's so key. So I think trying to find, you know, searching out those places in your community, which, you know, they exist, where you can come out of your comfort zone, where you can meet other people that you normally wouldn't. And um, And then, yeah, building relationships. And yeah, if you can take that leap, like Jen did, of actually inviting different people over to your home, which I mm-hmm. think is, you know, some people would just think is totally crazy and quite scary. But if you, you know, if you're building a relationship up to that point and being able to do that, I mean, I think that's a, that's, that's a magical thing.
0: Yeah. yeah. And you can use the seasons uh, as an excuse. So I was thinking um, mm. before we moved to Ottawa, we lived in a smaller town and we would, during Advent, we would just go door to door, pass out invitations in our neighborhood. Like we sort of went 20 houses in each direction uh, for an open house um, in our home. And we did that instead of doing something for our church. My husband is a minister. So we made an intentional shift from church community who already knows each other to neighbors that we don't know. And I made cheese balls. (laughs) <laughs> and it was really fun and we did it for years and um, and now we miss doing it so we might have to look at that doing it in our new home but there's something about that risk of inviting you know even a total stranger into your space and and knowing that you are okay you are enough this food is enough this cheese ball is enough um, and it's not about the food always even though we're saying how central the food is it's about seems to be coming back down to fellowship and community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Christine, if you were speaking to a church who had not yet, um, you know, engaged in a food ministry or but, you know, they're thinking of it and they think it would be a fit, what would be your advice to them as they wade into the waters? Should they be talking to, uh, you know, social service groups or, or what, what do they do first?
3: Uh, well, there's there's a million different ways to approach it. I I think that uh, community partnerships, local groups. I think that's a fantastic thing to do. Um, there are lots of organizations out there. You know, we partner with Food for Life, for instance, uh, for instance, to do this food distribution. I do think that there needs to be some work done around how much are we willing to engage in, whether we talk about congregational change as a whole or how much discomfort am i willing to endure uh, for the sake of of uh, any particular ministry those things have to be explored we put our toe in the water uh, seven years ago and we did it really reluctantly the elders had to be convinced that we could do it We, we didn't think we could really help anybody we didn't think we could really feed anybody where would we find the volunteers where would we find the money um and so Some of it has to be on faith we just we thought okay so for one month this is what we'll do we'll provide hamburgers for one month and then of course one month turned into two and it's been years because it's so much fun so some of it is is building up our courage uh, as well um so that so that we think we, we can do something and and i always would advocate starting small you know, not saying, I know we're going to open a 541 in our neighborhood because mm. that's a huge <laughs> undertaking. And there probably needs to be some, some you know, foundational work uh, that gets done um, first. But I, I also think one of the things for me is, is just relationship building. Uh, I'm a gardener, so I love growing food and I have a really different relationship with the earth and with food because of that. And we have been inviting our congregation to grow food. And it changes how you see everything when you know how much work it takes to just to grow a head of lettuce. So that relationship is important and, and the relationships with people is important. We're not doing something to poor people in our neighborhood. We are going out and finding out who's in our neighborhood and we're engaging with them, learning from them, uh, even as we have a privilege of, of being helpful. To people. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of different layers, uh, I think in terms of a congregation moving into it, but, um, but yeah, courage to just
0: try something. Yeah. yeah. I like and that. said you- fun too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's been great fun. Great fun. So Jen, ha- what lessons could you share from five, four, one that would apply to a church food ministry? Like even, even really practical tips, like put a flower on the table, like anything like that.
2: Yeah, well, that's a good one. Uh,
0: <laughs> a flower that some you Put on the <laughs> table
2: and do not put any fake flowers on the table. <laughs> okay. yeah. Um, yeah. That, that would is. be my first tip. Um, mm. Yeah, I think not just put, I, gathering people around the, um, if you're having a church dinner around the the making of the food Mm -hmm. as well Um, because Amy, as you've experienced too Mm -hmm. at 541, there's just as much about what we do that is about what happens behind the counter and behind the scenes as what is produced for the customers and I think there's really meaningful interactions that happen when you're preparing food together. And I think that part is sometimes lost if it's just put on a table. And especially gathering people from different backgrounds, chopping vegetables or whatever the case may be. And we sometimes partner with different, well, we partner quite a bit with different community organizations. And one of them is Big Brothers and Big Sisters. And one of the tips that they actually give all of their Big Brothers and Big Sisters is when you go to hang out with one of these little kids who your mentoring, um, always do something with them because their walls drop a lot easier when you're side-by-side side with someone than when you're face-to-face. Face. And I think we experience that happening in the kitchen here. So put a flower on a table, um, put, put people side-by-side side in preparing the food and and in the cleanup as well of that food. But yeah, in I think there there's a lot going on in the production of food that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to spend tons in order to have really good quality food so for instance I love Christine that you have some community gardens and we have some out back as well but I think more churches with front lawns could have community gardens and then and then you can connect your church dinners to actually growing the food as well and and thinking creatively around like the term organic or the term local now is kind of synonymous with a price tag, but the, the real meaning of it and the real value of it doesn't have to cost a lot, especially reaching out to churches that are maybe in more rural neighbourhoods that are also wanting to give back in some way.
0: Mm-hmm. How about you, Amy? What, uh, what have you experienced at 541 and just in your observations researching this article that could help? a church gets started well in this kind of work?
1: Um, I think, first of all, just believing that you can do it. Christine touched upon that of just, you know, getting over ourselves and just having the courage to just do something. I think about a, a church, um, St. Andrew's Presbyterian in Sutton, Ontario, which is like um, kind of close to, well, just close to Lake Simcoe um, near Jackson's Point. And, uh, and I've done stories on them a couple times and visited them, and they do a community dinner um, that they've done, uh, gosh, I can't remember, over 10 years now. And um, they're a congregation that generally you would think this church should be closed because there's something like a dozen people or something there, and like this is, it's kind of reached the end of its lifespan. Um, But, uh, you know, this little tiny congregation in a little small church has been putting on this this dinner for over a decade um, you know for about 75 people every single week and it's become a huge community project that people you know local businesses donate food and local chefs come and cook and it's it's really church for the people who come there there's a big transient community there and and this is where people come to be to be really heard and known and I think that that's a huge deal. I mean, I think that's what we kind of all are just wanting is to be heard and listened to and known and acknowledged. Um, and so, yeah, so not thinking that, you know, we don't have enough people or we don't have enough resources or it's not big enough or whatever, because that's, this just not true because I've seen it. I've seen it happening in so many different ways. And then kind of the other maybe more practical things, and this touches on what Jen said, that we, it is a whole, it's our Wednesday night community Dinner. I mean, it's technically, it's mostly people from Knox, but we're trying to bring other people in and we do have communion and it is very much a collaborative approach that we do take part in cooking together in the beginning, we take part in setting things up, we all clean up together, it's all very, it's, it's a, commu- a communal project and it's not just exactly people show up, you know, certain people cook, people show up and eat and then they leave. And then that's it. It's it's all, everybody's participating. People make, generally make the bread at home for communion. They bring it in. And so it's a nice, homemade, beautiful loaf of bread. And just, yeah, just making sure that things are... Um, at every kind of step of the way that things are communal even we serve things family style at the table instead of just bringing them on a plate and so that everybody just kind of serves each other and so just little things like that that brings everybody into it that's not just something that you are passively participating in or passively having done to you or that you're doing to someone else but it's a something that we all do together and um mm. and i think that that's maybe you know it doesn't seem like that should be something that churches miss out on or that don't really that that they don't get but i think maybe a lot of them kind of do miss that key aspect and it's just a it's just a little switch i think in your brain yeah
0: absolutely thank Mm -hmm. you and i I would as you were speaking i was thinking if you were a church that was kind of out of practice of this or you've forgotten your long history of potluck dinners Mm -hmm. you know you could start by breaking the ice that way. Like have have a dinner for your own community to begin with and and Mm -hmm. remember how fun and wonderful those can be. And and then maybe start thinking about who can be invited in or where you can Mm -hmm. go out. So, um, Mm -hmm. and I I want to, uh, as we draw to a close, I have one last question for each of you, which will be a very short answer. And that is, if you were gonna have someone over for dinner tonight in your home, what would you make? Jen? Oh, gosh.
2: Tacos.
0: <laughs> oh. That sounds good. Christine? Sure. I,
3: I, I have a house full of people at home, and I am planning on feeding them chicken. I have, um, I'm have going to roast some chicken, and I have some golden beets. I'm going to roast the golden beets. I might stir fry the tops because the tops are still attached, and I also have a bag of Brussels sprouts that I haven't used, and so I'm going to pan fry those with a, with a bit of butter and whiskey.
0: Oh, that's good even for Brussels.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Amy? Um, Mine would be, you know, really simple and cook free. I would just have a big loaf of crusty bread mm-hmm. and a big hunk of Parmesan and a bottle of red wine and maybe some dark chocolate. Wow. That'd be it. <laughs> Done. Done.
0: Sounds good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, Amy, Jen, Christine, thank you
0: so much uh, for helping us out with this today. It's been so enjoyable, and I'm sure that people watching and listening and those who will will get a lot out of this. I want to uh, end by just reminding people that Faith Today, um, in our embrace of this awesome story, we've got a few things going on. Uh, we've also created a Facebook group called the Faith Today fabulous church recipe swap which is all about bringing the potluck back Um, so you can join that group and you'll find recipes there's a bunch already there and tips and articles including a blog by amy mclaughlin that has other really practical tips like that uh, fresh flower tip is in there i am sure Um, So you can watch this webinar at efc.ca slash webinars, and you can find out about upcoming ones, and you can share this with your friends and your church and maybe get a conversation going about how we can do food ministry well. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.fc.ca theefc.ca forward slash faith today.